This episode of Fearless Rebel Radio is brought to you by You On Fire. You On Fire is the amazing 12-week online group coaching program that I run where we build up your worth from the ground up so that it's no longer hinging on the way that you look. It's got personalized coaching from me and incredible community support plus lifetime access. Get details on what's included in this program and sign up to be notified when doors open for the next cycle by going to summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I would love to have you in that program and in that group. This is Fearless Rebel Radio, a podcast about body positivity, self-worth, anti-dieting, and feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 129, and I am interviewing Christina Bruce about how our thoughts are not the truth and tools that you can use to change your beliefs about food and your body and more. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 129. Before we begin, shout out to M. Shizzle Siba, or whatever that handle is, who left this awesome review, not even done, and I know it's five stars. I've only listened to three episodes so far, and I'm just finding myself saying, yep, yep, that makes sense. So glad I found you, Summer. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you so much for leaving that review. It means a lot. That's from my fellow Canadian. Hello. You can leave a review by going to iTunes, searching for Fearless Rebel Radio, then click ratings and reviews and click to leave a review or give it a rating. There's also a link to leave a review under the show notes of every single episode. You just have to read it. Exactly what I just told you there is written in every single blog post for the episodes, or you can go to summerinandin.com forward slash review, and that will take you there too. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the show via iTunes or whatever platform you use to stream this podcast. It means a lot because it helps others to find the show. So it's not just about me wanting your validation, although that's always lovely, but it's about having others find the show and boosting it in the ratings. And if you're pa as passionate about this work as I am, then you want other people to hear this message. And if you haven't already, make sure you grab the free 10-day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. As always, you can go to thebodyimagecoach.com to find all of these things. Today's guest is Christina Bruce. Christina Bruce is a certified integrative life coach and advocate of the health at every size paradigm. Calling upon her education in health studies, sociology, yoga, meditation, and the work of Byron Katie, Christina works one-on-one -on -one with women to help them reconnect to their bodies and feel more confident and accepting within themselves. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. There's a really good tool in here to help you start to work through some of the limiting or negative thoughts and beliefs that you have, which is an integral part of doing this work. So I think you're going to benefit from this one. Check it out. Hey, Christina, welcome to the show. Hi, Summer. So glad to be here. I know. I'm, I'm excited to have you here. Fellow Canadian as well, which is always exciting. <laughs> I'd love you to tell everyone just a little bit about, you know, how you got into this work, what inspired you and and how you help people today. Well, I think I have a story that a lot of people share, starting with my own experience with my body. You know, growing up as a child, I was never what one would describe as quote unquote fat, but I wasn't thin either. So I guess medium sized body. And I came though from a, a family where a lot of the women were large. So some were, you would say fat, some were smaller, but they really always were concerned about their weight and getting thinner. So I picked up pretty young, as a lot of us do, that the message was, if you are thinner, you are better. And that you would be more attractive and more valuable as a person. So although they never explicitly said that, it was it came across in how they talked about their weight, how they talked about myself, uh, my body, and my sister's body, because my sister was thinner than me. So I'd always um, sort of picked up that if I was thinner, it would be better. So anyways, fast forward. After university, when I was on my own for the first time and, you know, could quote unquote make anything of my life, I decided that... Part of that was I was going to get myself thin. 
And I don't recall it being too difficult. Um, it's usually not when we're first uh, starting to diet. But the weight uh, came off and I got to experience really firsthand why being bent why being thinner was such a big deal because I experienced the thin privilege. You know, I was getting all of the external praise that I had longed for when I was younger. Uh, guys who wouldn't have paid attention to me before were all of a sudden. And of course, as a woman, I was socialized to view my worth and value through the male gaze. So I felt better about myself and I was getting compliments from friends and colleagues and, and it was great. Not going to lie. It was great. And Around this time, though, my interest in my personal and spiritual development was deepening. So I became certified as a yoga instructor, and I entered into this world, which introduced me to things like cleanse retreats and clean eating. And so slowly, my identity kind of morphed into this, quote unquote, health and wellness person, as you know, we're sold it today. And I kept up this lifestyle for about eight years of really consciously focusing on keeping my body small and living this, you know, wellness in this wellness world until, um, I met my boyfriend and he moved in with me. And this is where I kind of really got to see the discrepancy between what I was doing, that what I was doing wasn't really normal and it's normal in our culture right now, but let's just say it wasn't really natural. So he was quite a relaxed eater and he moved however it felt good to him. He didn't have any like exercise regime like I did, you know, but his lifestyle didn't quite suit me because I couldn't then control my food when I was having to consider another person. And when I was wanting to spend time with him, it really cut into this fitness and food regime that I had going. So I was at this point of like, what do I do now? I have this person I want to spend time with, but yet I still need to work on keeping my body and my food regime up. But simultaneously, I was also, again, even going deeper into my personal and spiritual exploration when I'd found um, the work of Byron Katie, which is actually where I met my boyfriend, was at a workshop of the work. And the work was really all about finding out what was my truth and deepening into myself versus the external messages that I had received. So everything was kind of starting to get stirred up. And I was starting to question and start to really notice that this lifestyle I had created for myself was actually full of a lot of stress was and actually against my nature and who I really was. I was working so hard to create this body and be something that wasn't natural for me. And so through doing this work, I could really feel that discrepancy. So I had the boyfriend who I wanted to, you know, now spend time with, which was cutting into the time I had in my day. And then also this now turning within myself of, of noticing that actually like I was unhappy doing what I was doing um, because it wasn't actually my truth. So, you know, during this time, I kind of things intensified and I sort of doubled down then on my eating because I noticed that when I relaxed, I started gaining weight because mm. surprise, surprise, my body didn't want to be the size that I was trying to make it be. And I was weighing myself every day. I became obsessed. My mood swings were really apparent and my poor uh, boyfriend received the brunt of it. And um, so it started to become even more noticeable that what I was doing was a problem. And uh, I didn't notice it really until kind of I had somebody else that could reflect back to me what was happening. So during this time, um, I also came across health at every size and intuitive eating. And it took me about a year to really actually warm up to this idea. It was like, nope, can't do that. Sounds great in theory, not for me. Yeah. But then when I came to this breaking point um, where it got so bad, where I couldn't, I couldn't live a life that wasn't true to me anymore. And that was actually causing so much pain for myself. I decided just, I'm going to stop cold Turkey. And I did. And I like, by that, it's what it really kind of feels like is giving up, you know, an addiction. It's like, I stopped and said, I'm not doing this anymore. So that was a, about a two year path of going through the health at every size and intuitive eating path and just exposing myself to the body positivity movement and fat acceptance and this whole world that I didn't know existed up until this point. Um, and it was also during that time that I became trained as an um, integrative life coach. 
So it became just really clear to me that my own journey and what I wanted to um, help people with in terms of life coaching was, was this path of body acceptance. So, um, you know, over time, as I went through my recovery from what I later learned was disordered eating, I became attuned to how not normal and hurtful our cultural obsession is with thinness and diets. And so I decided that I could help other women from a professional standpoint now that I had actual tools and experience who struggled with their body dissatisfaction to work towards a place of wellness and health, what I believe is true wellness and health, not what we're sold in the versions of, you know, clean eating and shiny juices and whatnot, but from a place of coming, taking our cues from ourself and um, body acceptance instead of body hate. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Nice. That's so good. And um, so something I'm super curious about, obviously, that you know, because I've, we talked about this before we started recording, is is the work of, of Byron Katie. And, and, and I know that that's been a huge influence on you. And you mentioned how that helped you really find your truth versus external messaging. So I'm not super familiar. I mean, I've heard of Byron Katie. I've heard a lot of people speak highly of of the work and how it's impacted their lives. But I, I, I'm super curious. So I'd love you to kind of explain what it is. And, and then we can, you know, break it down further from there. Yeah. So Byron Katie has a book that's called Loving What Is. And I, uh, in my, again, foray into personal spiritual development, picked up this book, it was, I must have heard of it from, you know, in the circles. And I, I started reading it and this would have been about maybe five years ago at this point. And I got into about the first chapter and was like, yeah, I get it. But I just, I couldn't get into it. And then, and then one day I remember I was in a relationship uh, with a previous boyfriend and it, it wasn't good. Like we were just, we were, you know, night and day in terms of what we wanted in life. But with that sort of like push through mentality that that we're taught, I thought I'm going to make this work, but it wasn't working. I was really so, sort of depressed. And I was so I just remember so distinctively, like lying on the couch, feeling depressed. And just for some reason, I walked over to my bookshelf, picked up this book and started reading it again, loving what is. And it was like, a, it's so cliche and corny, but it was like, explosions went off inside of me. And I was like, Oh my God, like, this is the answer to all of my problems. <laughs> and I just, I, it is like so cheesy, but that was really what it felt like. And it just, it hit me and I got it and I devoured the book. And then I just, I was like, what is the work? And at that stage, I, I knew I wanted to do some kind of retreat. Like I like, you know, going on yoga retreats and just taking like a week to, to do this. And I had saved up some money for a retreat. And so I found out that Byron Katie runs this um, workshop called the school for the work. And it's a nine day, like deep, intense dive into the work. So sign myself up for that went to it and, and it literally, it literally, the work was life-changing for me. And again, I always felt so cliche and corny saying that, like, I never thought I would say anything changed my life, but it really did. Literally colleagues and family were like, yeah, like you've, you've changed. They're like, you're, <laughs> it was a little hard to hear people like my mother tell me you're nicer. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of people were saying that I was a lot softer. I just had a sort of a softer energy to me. And that really came from because what the work did for me was it allowed me to access my heart. And I know that may seem weird, but I always felt like sensitive people or people who are yeah really highly sensitive, which I would say I'm a pretty sensitive person. Uh, we learn very young to, you know, toughen up and we put up walls and barriers to not get hurt. But the problem is that that also closes us off to ourselves and our heart because there's this deep place where we've experienced so much hurt that we're afraid to go there. Mm -hmm. And the work kind of allowed me to go there and to tap into this place. And I was, it, it just, I was like, oh my God, like this exists inside me. I, I'm actually am this really loving, caring person that I started to question if I was because I was so hard. And if I think of how that translated into how I treated myself and my body, it's like, I was so hard 
against myself and my body and mean to myself and my body. If I, you know, putting myself through punishing exercise and, um, you know, eating things that like, like chastising myself if I ate things that I actually enjoyed. So no wonder it's like how I treated myself and my body also was an expression in other areas of my life. So the work is really like a tool that helps us to connect within that deep place of ourselves. It helps us to go within and to find out what is actually true for me. How do I feel? What's going on versus everything else that I've been believing or just sort of subconsciously um, took on as truth or fact when maybe that might not actually be true for me? Does that explain it a little bit? And I can kind of go into more detail on the specifics because that's really what, it, what, what we can talk about it as a tool. Yeah, well, I guess, is it help? Is it more helpful to go into the specifics? Like if, we, if I were to ask you like, okay, well, so how, how did you use that to help change beliefs about your body? Or how would one use that to help change beliefs about their body? Yeah. So the first thing that Byron Katie always suggests is to start at the place where what causes you stress. Um, so she'll call it your stressful thoughts. And stress is not like so much how, how maybe we think of it like being stressed at work, and it can be that. Um, but it's also anything that causes kind of dis-ease within yourself. So whether it's you're feeling really sad or you're feeling really angry or resentful or frustrated, like anything where you feel a lot of tension and it just feels off, that's the place to start. So a really nice thing that I've kind of noticed for this work is that anytime that I'm feeling off, I'm usually believing a thought that isn't true for me. So it's my like alarm bell to say kind of ding, 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 what's going on right now in your thinking? Like, what are you believing right now? And so this work takes a bit of meditation. Like it takes a bit of time to, to really start to notice what's going on in our thinking, because for a lot of times we're just caught in our thinking. We don't even realize that our thoughts are separate from us. Mm -hmm. So a really good way to do that is, is like one way is to just freeform journal and start to just write out like what the heck is going on. So if I'm putting it in relation to my body and, and this is where I use the work a lot with um, my body is for example, one thing that I notice if I'm looking at myself, say sitting down, this was always like a big thing for me and something that even to this day, I still do some work on because it's so deep is if I'm sitting down and I see my stomach rolls and I'll, and then all of a sudden I'll start to feel bad and I'll be like, uh, look at my stomach rolls. And it's like, okay, you start to feel bad there because otherwise it's just neutral. Like, why do you feel bad? You're just looking at some rolls. What about that? Like, why, why are you feeling bad about that? Because it's what we're thinking, what we're making those stomach rolls mean. So I have to look at now, okay, well, what is it? Well, fat rolls are ugly. That's a thought. That's a belief. That's a statement. And that's where you start. So you write that down. Like, that's something that you can, you can apply the work to. So fat rolls are ugly. And I'm literally just like writing it down now. Okay, you can go even deeper into that then. Fat rolls are ugly. Okay, well, what about that? What about you having fat rolls is, is a problem? Well, fat ro for rolls are ugly, and that means that. That means that what? I'm ugly, that I'm not beautiful, that I'm not good enough. Like, these are the sub-thoughts then that support this. Yeah. So we start to look at what are the thoughts and beliefs that are causing us to feel this disease. So we know that it's not true because we feel bad because our natural state is, is like, um, a peace, a neutrality. That's our natural state. When we're in alignment, when we're in flow with ourselves and our truth, we don't, we're not constantly in tension and stress. We're, we're more in alignment. We're more in a peace state. So what we got to do is look at those beliefs and inquire into them and find out if those are actually true for us. And that's when we apply the work to it. So that, that's where we start. Yeah. And so like how, so how would you change 
you know, how, how would you then go about kind of changing, changing that, that belief, like in terms of, okay, so, you know, I've identified what it is. I know it's not true. How do you go about changing that then for yourself? Yeah. So, so the work is actually, it's a meditation. So it's not something that we use and go into as a way, like I'm going to go in here and intentionally change this because if it's not like we can't actually kid ourselves or joke ourselves into believing something that's not true for us. Mm-hmm. So we can't force ourselves to believe something if at our core, it's not true. Right. So we have to inquire. We have to actually look. And how we do that is we then apply the work. So I'll give you an example because this is one that I've done myself before. I use the statement, fat rolls are ugly. Because I think that's one that we, a lot of us have probably had or believe. And then we're taught to believe that something that we're supposed to eradicate. So the work in and of itself is actually four questions and then what they call turnarounds. So what we do is I often say you, you write it down because our mind is very slippery. It, as we all know, it can like, you could go through a hundred thoughts in the span of like two minutes. So in order to really stay focused, we write it down. So it's like open up your computer, pull out a Word document, write down on a you know piece of paper, fat rolls are ugly. That's where you start. And then you apply the first question. So I often do this by sitting down and I close my eyes. So it's like, I really, I don't try to force it. I just ask these questions and I see what comes up. So the first question is simply, is it true? And the answer to this first question is either yes or no. Once we start going into justification or, well, yes, but our mind is at play again and we're not really listening to ourselves. And this is not a right or wrong. It's just in that moment, is it true? So if I sit there and I'm imagining, we pick a moment, like imagine you're sitting there on the couch and I see these stomach rolls and I'm looking at them and I have this thought that fat rolls are ugly. So now I feel gross about myself. Is it true that fat rolls are ugly? Well, if I sit there looking at those fat rolls in this moment, yeah, yes, it's true. Fat rolls are ugly. That's how I feel. That is the honest to God truth in that moment. Good. So now you know. Question one done. Is it true? Yes. Then you ask question two. If, if yes, so if your first answer to question one is yes, you go to question two. If it's no, you skip to question three. So we'll get there. But I said yes to, is it true? So the second question is, can I absolutely know that it's true, that fat rolls are ugly? So now I'm going a little bit deeper into this, into this, and I sit there with it. Can I absolutely know, without a doubt, that fat rolls are ugly? And the answer to this question is either yes or no again. Just it, simple question. Well, this kind of stirs up a little bit more contemplation for me. Hmm. And it's, if you say yes, in that moment, yeah, fat rolls are ugly, then that's the answer. Yes. But for me, I can say that I'm not actually sure that it's absolutely without a doubt true because I'm starting to see images and thoughts of like people who really love fat rolls and they can kind of see them as beautiful. And I'm thinking that, well, you know, there's other cultures that love like bigger stomachs. And so, so maybe it's not actually true. And I'm just thinking that it is okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to say no. So I'm going to say, no, I can't absolutely know that it's true, but I want to be clear that if somebody feels yes for themselves, then that's true for them. So they put yes. Does that make sense so far? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So now we answer the first two questions. So we go to question three, and this is again, where this is contemplative, it's meditative. And we sit here and we say, question three is, how do I react? What happens when I'm sitting there on the couch in that moment, looking at my stomach rolls, thinking fat rolls are ugly? How do I react? What happens? So I sit there and I start to notice, okay, what am I feeling in that moment? I feel sad. I feel angry. I feel ashamed. I might feel disgusted with myself. I notice there's this tension in my body. Like I start to tighten up in my body and my stomach feels tight. I start to see images in my mind of in the past when I had a flatter stomach and now I'm comparing. So I'm seeing myself all this, oh, that was so great. Now look at this. I'm seeing images of 
well, what if I go out in a bathing suit now in the summer with these with these roles and I didn't have them before? What are people going to think of me? So I'm not actually in the moment. I'm not sitting on the couch anymore. I'm like in the past and I'm like on some future beach. Like I'm disconnected from the here and now, that's for sure. So I'm, I'm seeing images in my mind that actually aren't even reality. They're just thoughts. So that's happening. What else is happening? How do I react? I might start coming up. If, if, if I was now, I, I wouldn't say this now for myself, but maybe in the past, I might've started coming up with a diet plan. I might've started saying, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go for a run tomorrow morning. So I might've started now to try to control. So I might start coming up with a plan. I'm treating myself poorly, but for myself now, I would, you know, I don't know. I, I, again, it's different, but I'm going to put myself in a past situation. How else do I react? What happens? You know, how do I treat myself in that moment? I put myself down. I belittle myself. I don't treat myself with very much love. So we start to witness and see what is happening in the moment when we believe that thought that fat rolls are ugly. Yeah. So it just takes it like a lot deeper to kind of like the fears and the feelings and, and all the other components to it instead of it just being you know, that, that initial thought, because there's so many other layers to it. Absolutely. So what we're doing is we're, we're, we're taking a snapshot, a moment in time, and we're going deep. And we're really, we become a witness. We're really witnessing what actually goes on in that moment. When I believe this thought, as I'm sitting here on the couch, looking at my stomach rolls. So we notice that's what happened. It's a lot. That's a lot happening in a moment. Right, right. You know, that's intense. So then we move and we write this down. Okay. So all of those things that I was just talking about, we write it down. You just write it out on paper or type it in the computer. So then after that, we move to question four. So the question is, and we always, we always anchor ourselves back in that moment. We're just taking a snapshot in time. Again, our mind is very slippery. It, it, it wants to jump around. So we're, we're hanging out on this couch in that one moment where I'm looking at my fat rolls. Now, I also want to be clear. It doesn't mean you have to do this like in the moment. I could actually just be remembering a time when this happened maybe a week ago. Yeah. And I can put myself back there. So I could actually be like sitting at a desk just remembering me sitting on the couch and I'm looking at what happened in that moment. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So question four is nothing has changed. You're sitting on the couch, looking at the fat rolls. Who would I be in that moment? What would be happening if I never had the thought fat rolls are ugly, but I'm still sitting there looking at my fat rolls. But it was impossible for this thought that fat rolls are ugly were to enter my mind. Who would I be in that moment without the thought? This one can be more challenging, but we want to just play with it. It's like a hypothetical situation. So if I close my eyes again and I get still and I meditate on that moment and I witness, okay, so I'm sitting there on the couch looking at my fat rolls. Who would I be in that moment if the thought never occurred to me? that my fat rolls are ugly. Frankly, I'm not even sure I would notice them if I'm completely honest. Like, how would I know? Like, maybe they're just there, but then that's it. My mind might just skip over it. It's no big deal. They're just, it's just my stomach. Yeah. Who else would I be? I'd be somebody sitting there on a couch in my living room, enjoying that moment. I notice I'm in this nice little peaceful space. So I'm now present in actually reality what's actually happening. I'm in the room now, where before I was like on the beach and in the past, <laughs> I'm actually present in the room. Who else would I be? I can notice in my body without that thought, I'm not stressed. I don't feel tension in my body. I'm just kind of relaxed. So I'm more neutral. I'm fine. Nothing's, and here's the thing, nothing has changed in that moment. The only thing that was different was I had a thought. My body didn't change. The room didn't change. I just all of a sudden had this thought that fat rolls were ugly and everything that I believed about it caused this whole experience within myself that was really negative. Without the thought, peace, fine. So we look at that, we witness. So all we're doing is we're investigating right now. We're taking a look to see what's actually going on. 
That's the first part of it. Then we move to the next part, which are called turnarounds. And here's where we play around with it a little bit more. But we, again, we're not trying to force ourselves to change our thought. We're not trying to let go of this thought. We're just looking at it. It's like we're detectives and we come into this with an open mind. We got to try to be as open-minded as possible. And we try on some different turnarounds. So turnarounds are, we actually take the statement. So fat rolls are ugly and we, we turn the statement around. So one turnaround would be, so what would be the opposite of ugly? Like fat rolls are beautiful. Okay. So let's look at that statement and see if we can find three genuine examples of how that might be true. Now, this can be really hard for some people, like, especially if you're just like, this is so cemented in our minds that fat rolls are ugly. To think that fat rolls could be beautiful might be hard. But if we just sit there and open our minds, what's an example? What's a genuine example of how fat rolls are beautiful? You know, if you sit there and just look at yourself, it's like, well, actually, I can see for myself right now. And I'm not playing here. I'm really looking. They're very kind of soft. And they're like, it's so they sort of have like a nice roundness to them. And I can see how that's beautiful. You know, another example might be, and maybe this is coming from somebody who's had a baby. You know, like fat rolls are beautiful because like they came about after I had my child. And I'm so grateful and thankful for them because this is now my stomach after I gave birth. That might be an example. I also think like they're so innocent because, you know, when you see them on a child or a baby, like they are beautiful and it's only that and it's through that, you know, through that perspective that you can see that too. I love that. And that's such a great example. They're innocent. You know, fat rolls are beautiful. Like, we, we just sit there and start to look at as many examples that we can come up with of how that could be as true or truer than the original statement. So we're looking. So we're broadening our perspective now. So we could find another turnaround. And again, we're not making things right or wrong here. We're just looking. So, you know, what would be another turnaround to fat rolls or ugly? You know, you could say... And again, this is not, I want to be clear, this is not about shaming any bodies or saying that any bodies are better or worse. We're looking at an original belief that caused a lot of stress in that moment. And we're looking for some opposite examples. So another example could be something like, you know, no rolls are ugly, like flat stomach is ugly. And again, not saying that flat stomachs are ugly. We're just looking at opposites. Like, why could that be true? I could tell for myself, it might be true if I had to starve myself to get in a state to have no rolls. That's pretty ugly yeah. for me, you know? So no rolls are ugly. If I had to hate my body so much in order to have no rolls, that's pretty ugly. So it starts to open up my perspective now. I can start to see wider than this kind of keyhole that I was looking through before. Mm -hmm. When I saw fat rolls were ugly, that's the only thing that existed in my world in that moment. But when I put it through these four questions and turnarounds, I not only witness how the power of believing a thought can change my entire experience of myself, my body, and that moment, but it also closes me off to witnessing what actually is really going on. And it also just shows how these beliefs are not real. These are just perceptions. They're judgments. And we can question them. And the way that we know is if it's, if it's true for us is when we start to come into balance again. So if I start to relax, if I start to open up, if my heart opens up, if I now start to have maybe a loving feeling towards my body that I didn't have before that shows me that that's more true for me. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that is the work. And that is how I have used it to question not only beliefs that I were like hell bent on thinking was truth for myself and caused a lot of stress 
also, I used it for food. Like I've, I've questioned, I actually, and the work is so great because it can be done with a facilitator. So I'm not, I want to be clear, like I'm not affiliated or certified with the work. People are though. So like you can actually go through a program to become a certified facilitator of the work, but the work is free and open for everybody to use. You just go to the work.com and you can just download a little guide on how to do it. For me, I've been to the school for the work twice and I've been to multiple workshops and I've done hundreds of hours of it. So I would consider myself an experienced facilitator of it and I use it in my coaching. Um, that's, it's a, just a beautiful tool that people can have access to. But when you're starting to do this kind of, I look kind of like, in since it's a tool, I kind of look at the work as, um, like, say it's like some kind of like, I don't know, <laughs> I'm trying, trying to think of a power tool. It's like, I don't know these things, but if you were thinking of like a, like a saw and, you know, anybody could kind of pick up a saw and like give it a go on their own and like saw through something, but you can also get really more skilled with the saw. And so it might help to have somebody teach you a little bit of how to use it. Yeah. And that's what, that's what having a facilitator and doing the work um, with somebody else can be helpful. Right. And what I also love about doing it with somebody else is just like how you gave an example of how you could see how fat rolls were beautiful of like the innocence of seeing it on a child and how beautiful that was, you know, you get to see different things that maybe I don't see. And I see things that maybe you wouldn't see. So we both get to share in these different explorations. And as I'm doing the work, it's kind of impossible for you not to do it too, because you're following along with me. And so it opens your mind up to it as well. Like we both get to do it together. So, um, yeah, that was just a little bit of just to, to talk about how it can be helpful. Um, you can do it on your own and you can also do it with somebody. Yeah. Well, I can see how it can create that shift in that moment, you know, to really like explore, explore it deeply for sure, but really explore the other side of it. Because I think that that's what's really lacking. I think a lot of times is, is our ability to, to, to do that, to even give ourselves permission to do that. Because especially when it comes to these thoughts around food in our bodies, because they've been so hard coded as the truth. Yeah. And so I think actually what had um, spurred my thought about doing it with a partner is I was actually doing, uh, facilitating somebody in the work who is a, is a um, very dedicated practitioner to it. And she's done a lot of work in different areas of her life. And one of the areas that um, she hadn't looked at was areas about body and food. And so we actually, I think it was, she wanted to look at a moment where she was eating chips and she just like loves chips. And she just, she could, she's just like, I'm addicted to them. Like I, I have to eat all the chips whenever I have chips. And so she had this idea, like eating chips are bad for me. Mm-hmm. And that, and that was her statement. You know, that was her thought. And we, we went through this moment where she was like sitting on the, t- I think she was talking on the phone to somebody and she was like, trying to kind of like silently sneak these chips so that the other person wouldn't know that she was eating them because she had so much shame around it and looked at this thought, like eating chips are bad, are bad for me. Is it true? Like, can I absolutely know that it's true? How do I react? What happens in that moment when I'm sitting there eating chips and I think that they're bad for me? You know, how do I react? What happens physically? You know, for her, she noticed like she wasn't enjoying them. She's really ashamed of them. Like she, her, her physical body t- tight, tightened up. It's probably not very good for digestion when we're like super stressed and eating. And then she looked at it like, who would I be without the thought that eating chips are bad for me? And she was like, all of a sudden she noticed like she was tasting them now. You know, she was present with it. And, and that's kind of what intuitive eating does too, in a way, right? It's mindful mm-hmm. eating. And that's what the work is. It's a mindful approach to looking at, what's actually happening for us and, and turning it around to like eating chips are good for me. Like this just like blew her whole mind and her whole experience of chips. Like, I think she actually told me after that she, she, um, had kind of like some people experience after, after working a while with intuitive eating, she had like a half bag of chips left in her cupboard. And after doing this, because she had this shift within herself and it wasn't conscious. She's just like, Oh my God, I didn't, I didn't eat all the chips anymore. 
because she wasn't coming from this place of, you know, shame and backlash. And, you know, like where we, you know, how, how we talk about the reactions of backlash eating and binge eating when we put so much shame around it. Sometimes we feel like this rebellious sense to just eat them all, especially if we put them off limits, we don't know when we're going to get them again. You know, now that this was cleared to her, she actually realized that she found some good examples for eating chips were good for me. You know, it gave her pleasure. Yeah. It was something that she was doing. Like it gave her a moment in her day when she could just feel this like connection to taste in herself. And she, and she had this memory, I think, um, of when she, Oh, that was it. Yes. She told me she had this memory of when she used to eat chips with her. I think it was either her mom or her dad. And like, that was a really bonding moment with them. So she, you know, she had this like historical and family connection to eating chips that were really pleasurable for her. And now without the shame, like she could connect to it again. And so she didn't have that same behavior anymore of having to like secretly eat the chips and hide them from the person she was talking to on the phone because she realized that they were okay for her. And that, and that was what was true for her. Yeah. And so it worked, it opened up that door for her. So I'm curious to know, because like you're you're obviously like really passionate about this from the social justice perspective, too. So how do you layer that in? Um, I'm, I'm like, I can kind of imagine how you would do that for yourself. But I'm curious, like, because you would almost want to just tell people like <laughs> the other side of it, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. How do you how do you bring the social justice piece into this? Yeah, that's a really um, that's a big question. And the way that um, I do it for myself, I think I'm trying to think if Byron Katie actually, she has these great videos online where she's doing the work with people and she has done it with some people who are doing social justice work because when you do the work, sometimes the conclusion can be, well, if I'm just okay with everything, am I just going to sit there and like you know, see some injustices going on in the world and not do anything because I'm believing my thoughts about them. But the answer that she always says is, you know, is love passive. And she'll say, if you, you know, think of what you would do for a child out of love. Like if you saw somebody damaging or hurting a child, would you just sit there and, and not do something because you're just thinking, Oh, I'm stressed because I'm believing my thoughts about it. No, you would move forward and say, this is not okay. I do not condone this. And you would take that action that is aligned with you to stop that. Mm-hmm. So that's where I, that's, that's what, because again, like it's about coming up for what's, for what's right or wrong. So what, what the work does though, is it doesn't disconnect me from the other person. So it doesn't make the other person evil and the enemy, because when we start to see other people as evil and the enemy, we're doing exactly what they are doing to either us or to that other person. Mm -hmm. And, and as we can see that happening right now with a lot of the atrocities that are going on. And of course, right now is a situation with the immigration um, situation at the border in the U S if we just look at all of those you know, people of ice as evil devils and we want to hurt them and, and we want to take out all of our anger on them. We are now completely disconnected from them, much like they're disconnected from the people that they're, that they're um, hurting. So we want to come from this place of love is not seeing it as the people who are the enemy, but the structure and the system. And what can we do from a place of love to change it? And the biggest thing is, Love does not condone violence and hate. So we don't condone this behavior. And what can we now do to change it? And that to me is even more important because when we can sometimes shut ourselves off from other people, we can fall into a place of like apathy or we exhaust ourselves from so much anger and emotional exhaustion. So we also need to look at what self-care for ourselves too. Right. So in one of the ways that I see it is if I have so much anger and negativity towards somebody else, it's really difficult for me to act from a place of to have energy to make change. So I look at it as an act of self-care as well. 
And I don't know if exactly that's where you were going with that question, but that's kind of where I go, 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 go with it with my mind, because this work of, you know, this work of, of body acceptance is not, yes, it's very much about acceptance of fat bodies, but it's acceptance of all bodies. You know, it's acceptance of people who are different ethnicities and different races and different gender orientations and people of different, you know, people with disabilities. It's all, and it's about bringing love and acceptance and care to everyone. And so when I tap into myself and when my heart is wide open, it is impossible for me to look at situations and say, you know, it is okay to be treating people in this way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's important to really pull pull that in, right? Like we have to. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's good to hear that, that you can kind of like blend those two things. Cause without it, I think it lacks what it really needs to be super effective. And for me, one of the, you know, actually what really drives me summer, to be honest, doing this work is because when I see and I'm going to say particularly women because that is my experience and I see that, you know, the body ideal and beauty ideal affects, although it affects men and, and unfortunately more so today than before. But when I see the amount of time and the energy and the self-hate that we have towards ourselves, it decreases our self-esteem. It We have no energy to put towards actually helping to shape the world that we want to see. And how, and how can, when we, how can, when we think like, we're not good enough. Right. Right. So, so I was like, so driven to do this work is like, literally, I believe that this is my way that I can help the world. Like, this is, this is what I want to leave when I leave this world to know that I made it a better place is if I can help women to, feel good about themselves in the bodies that they have and connect with themselves. Like what else can be done in this world? What, what does that free up their time and energy to do? And when we have more people who feel good about themselves and are moving from a place of love and connection, like this is more than half of the population. We're going to change the world. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what drives me too, right? When you think about all the energy and time that goes into, you know, trying to manipulate your body and hating your body and where that energy could be spent trying to, you know, inform yourself on different issues, advocate for other individuals and try to create change. Like it, it really, it really could change the world. I do. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that too. And I know it sounds like a fluffy statement sometimes, but I think that if we all, stopped counting those calories and started like activating our resources towards the greater good, it would have such a massive ripple effect on what could happen, you know, like, (laughs) in terms of in terms of what's going on in the world, especially especially now. Yeah. And I don't think it's any surprise to you that when there's a lot of uh, stuff changing fast in the world, like when we're being stretched to be more accepting, the um, kind of that backlash to keep things the same can rise up even harder. Yeah. But I see that as a good thing because that shows me change is happening. Not that it's a good thing that there's like backlash and what's happening. Again, I don't condone that, but it reminds me and says, you know what, if everything was status quo, we wouldn't be seeing such a backlash that's coming up to progress. Right. So we got to just keep moving forward with that progress. And in terms of individually, I don't think it's any surprise of how we kind of sometimes then can double down on controlling our bodies when we feel in any way threatened or like there's a lot of chaos happening around us. Yeah. You know, food and our bodies, we believe is the one thing that we can control, which we know that you really can't. It's like, it's, it's only to a certain degree and then the body's going to do what it's going to do. But that I think is, I see when I see a rise of some of these really intense diets and, and fasts that are happening right now, I kind of wonder on a greater perspective of how this isn't even just a backlash towards this world of change and people yes. not, not knowing how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And so they control even harder. Yeah. 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 That's such a good point. We can go on and on, but we have to wrap it up. (laughs) So we'll leave it there with that. Just like, let that like, just like blow up everyone's minds for a bit. (laughs) 
Um, and fat rolls are awesome. <laughs> yes, and they are beautiful. Damn it. I, I think you saw my Instagram. Like, I have a picture of my fat rolls. So yeah. if somebody wants to go scroll down it, they'll find my beautiful fat rolls. <laughs> um, so where can people find more of you, Christina? So um, you can go to ChristinaBruce.com, and that's Christina with a K. So K-R-I, Bruce.com. And uh, I also have an Instagram account where I pretty much have been pretty active. And that's Christina Bruce underscore coach. And also I've got a Facebook page at Christina Bruce coach. So that's pretty much the main places you can find me right now. Yeah. And your your blog posts are awesome. Your your Instagram is 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 really great, too. So you I know you put a lot of effort into that. And it's it definitely shows like you're really good with your your writing and the way that you articulate things. So yeah, definitely check that out. Yeah. Yeah, And if people want more, they can um, subscribe to my blog posts on my website, or you can even download I've got a little jumpstart free jumpstart guide um, on my website for people who are kind of new to this and just want to explore a little bit further this path of body acceptance. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. It was really, really helpful. Thank you, Summer. I enjoyed talking with you. Rock on. As a coach, I love learning different tools and prompts to help people dig into their thoughts and start to challenge them and change them. So I learned a lot from that conversation. I hope you did too. And I hope you have some new skills to apply to your healing and changing your relationship with food and your body. As always, you can let me know what you think of the show. You can send me a DM via Instagram or Facebook and obviously leave a review if you loved it. And thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you next time. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Summer Inanin. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on. Rock on.